So, um, let's start talking about Martin Franzman. So, Martin Franzman um, is our hymn writer. He was born in 1907 in Lake City, Minnesota, uh, Wisconsin Synod Church, St. John's in Lake City. Um, I was looking at, I've got a book that is a, a history of the Minnesota Synod before it joined, merged with the Wisconsin Synod. Um, and uh, it's in German, but it goes through all the congregations that were part of the, the what's now our district, but the, the Minnesota Synod. And on um, Lake City, it talks about, so uh, Franzman's father was the pastor there. And uh, so uh, W. Wilhelm, probably, Franzman, came from Winona, um, 1901 to Lake City, <laughs> was installed on Septuagesima Sunday, February 3rd, 1901. Um, so born in 1907, in the summer of 1907, so he was born January, in the summer of 1907, they, they increased the size of the parsonage, cost $1,100 to do that. Um, they started English services in that in 1908. At uh, Christmas 1908, he got a call to Bay City, Michigan. The congregation decided, though, in uh, a meeting on January 2nd, 1909, not to let their pastor leave. You can do that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's, that's what it says. I've heard of that, yeah. And. Uh, in the same, and then in the same meeting, they uh, that's when they started their school. Uh, my uncle taught there at, at St. John's Lake City many, many years later. Um, but um, so uh, Wisconsin Synod. So then he went to school at Northwestern Prep and Northwestern College, uh, Watertown, Wisconsin, and then our seminary graduate. He ended up graduating in 1936, but he didn't go straight through. Um, because after the, right after graduating from Northwestern College, he was called back to teach at the college, I think in Greek, um, right after graduating, before going to the seminary. Um, and then while he was at the seminary, uh, so he teaches at the college right after graduation, and then he, during seminary years, he, gets a, he takes a, a call to teach at St. Peter Lutheran School of Shaker Heights, Ohio. And then, then he graduates... Um, and then he goes back to Northwestern College and teaches, and I think, well, I, I, don't, I don't remember the years, teaches again at the college, and then he goes to Concordia Seminary uh, to teach at their seminary. Uh, and then towards the end of his career, he goes to England and teaches at Westfield House in Cambridge, and that's one of the places where Hannah was this summer, um, learning was, was there, and also then where he died. Uh, but it was interesting that he didn't get ordained until 1969, which I suppose if he was just then, he just went from graduating to teaching, even though it was at the college, they didn't, I think today they would, or they would get ordained when they were begin teaching, but he didn't for whatever reason. Um, other hymns uh, Franzman wrote, Thy Strong Word, uh, what else? I preach you the word, preach you the word, and plant it home. Um, uh, another excellent text, Thy Strong Word. I saw, I saw a uh, Thy Strong Word being sung in a, yeah, there's a sheet over, there's an actual one. 
great talk, Tyler. Um, um, Roman Catholic, like cathedral choir or something like that, singing a setting of Thy Strong Word. Uh, it's interesting. But uh, yeah, hymn writer writing a lot of the hymns. Starting early when he was teaching, I think he was already starting to write some some hymns already in the 30s. Um, he did some translating of hymns from German into English. The, the tune then that it's written uh, for is written by Jan Bender. Similar time frame, uh, Bender, musician. Uh, he... It's named Wittenberg New after Wittenberg University. That's where he was teaching at the time. But he taught, so he's from Germany. Um, and then he came and he taught, like I know at Concordia in Seward, Nebraska. Uh, he also taught at Valparaiso University. But then he went back to Germany for a while and then came back to the United States, taught at Gustavus Adolphus here in Minnesota um, for a a little bit, where else? But teaching music, um, composing, a lot of composing uh, of, of music. This tune, so and, uh, then this tune then was written for this text. Uh, the text, I should have mentioned this before, written in 1966. It was commissioned uh, by the Council of, Lutheran Council of the USA. I don't know what this group was exactly, uh, but it was, they commissioned, and they commissioned three hymns for the, it would have been the 450th anniversary of the Reformation, so 1967, so 19, or 1517, the 95 Theses, and we just observed the 500th, but just, it's like, what, six years ago now? Uh, Semi-recently, we're hitting those 500-year marks now, though, so this year, um, in fact, so remember, no, where did we have a conversation about that? Those two young men that were uh, executed in the Netherlands, they were the first Lutheran martyrs. That was, I believe, July 1st, 1523. So we just hit 500 years of that. Um, and that's then the story. So from there, the men are executed July 1st. Luther finds out about it, and he writes his first hymn, a new song now has here begun, or something like that, that's telling the story of these young men dying. So we're on 500 years of, but five, six years ago, it was the 500, but for the 450th anniversary, 1967, was what they commissioned them. Three hymns, I read the titles of the other hymns, I've never heard of the others. <laughs> but this one, this one we still have. Um, and was then, the, the tune was written by Bender for this uh, for this text. Uh, it's written in the key of F minor. And I don't know that much about stuff like this. Um, but so a, a minor key, and, and this F minor would be like, let's see, like a, a major key would be, hear the difference? And so sometimes you'll, you'll, you won't necessarily be able to tell when you're listening to a hymn, um, like, well, what key it is, whether it's major or minor, or some of these other details that musicians might know. But 
But you can tell the difference between the sound. How would you describe the sound between this and this? Which one sounds better to your ear? It's like the, the eye doctor. One or two? One? Yeah, it sounds more like him. And so what, what does that do? It has this kind of... I don't know what we're trying to... Yeah. It's got something that's different. I think the minor keys. Like, the minor? I think they're more... They're less joyous. Yeah. And, and so they're, they're able to like hold something. Some, yeah. Yeah, and so we're going to see that in the text. I think we'll see. I, I think we'll probably observe that. Well, that's fitting for this text, at least part of it. We're gonna. We we would like to though. We would like to end on a note of joy, wouldn't we? Though, turns out it does. So if you look at the oh, you don't have the. If you have the hymnal in front of you, you'd see it. In the chord, this is the chord. Uh, take them upstairs and play it on the organ. Um, that is called a Picardy third. Um, it's where you have a minor key and the minor key has, the third is usually a major third, but it's a minor third instead. It's, a, it's one half, half step lower in the minor key. And occasionally songs will, at the end of a phrase or especially at the end of a stanza like this, will make it a major chord at the very end of it. The reason that, where that comes from, I actually asked, since you did grab hymnals, hymn 29. Now, we have uh, recently sung this, this text with a different tune, with a Helmsley tune, I think, um, Lo, he comes with clouds, which is great to sing this with this text. But if you look down at the bottom right of the page, do you see the name of the tune? It's Picardy. So this also is in a minor key. So the, the chord is kind of... Um, Instead of 
assuming that it gets called a Picardy third because it's because of this tune. Um, so that's what you have here in Wittenberg Newitens. Although I think when we were doing it for Hymn Festival, it's got there's multiple settings and some of them don't do that. And like the, the idea is that you could end it just on the last stanza with that Picardy third, ending it last with a major chord. And so, said so F major, F minor. Every most of the commentaries that I've seen on this, when I read about this, who uh, you know, they always refer to it as an angular tune. It's angular uh, notes. I think that might be. Um, no, I don't remember where. Um, the angular and dramatic phrases are able to carry Franzman's longer dramatic sentences effortlessly. That uh, there's something about this tune that, well, describes it as angular. Um, and I don't exactly know what, I mean, I know what angles are. But what, what, what do they mean by angular? Uh, Joanna, I need your first word to look up. She's got the dictionary. The dictionary. Angular. And let's see if we can figure out what they, what they might mean by that. Um, so. that have like it'll have maybe in maybe in the music it'll have like four lines going across and each line is this looks like exactly the same length it's got the same number of syllables you know it's like all nice and even and you you, know, you can sing one phrase and then sort of have a leader maybe it's got a half note in it so it pauses a little bit you breathe and you say the next one and then this one doesn't do that um, and maybe that's what it's sort of referring to I'll wait until I find AMG Angular. Um, there's a lot of words in that book. Um, yeah, you know, it's got a bunch of def different definitions. Where do they start? Angular. Thank <laughs> you. 
Um, <laughs> just do that. Um, keep going. It kind of like it, it, you want to take a break, but you can't because you have to keep on going. Um, and then it kind of starts over. And you can't even, you've got to do that little whatever that is, if that's syncopation or not, but it's, it, it's setting you off what you were planning to do. What I think we would like to do is kind of evaluate whether, whether this tune really, I mean, could we sing it? So, spoiler alert, the new Wells Hymnal has a different tune to this. They decided that this was too hard to sing or some something, so they put it with another tune that no one knows. Um, and that does not have, I guess I should have looked, I should have looked to see if that tune is like major, minor, like the key, if they do anything like that. Um, I guess is it's not, it's da, 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 da. I don't want to sing it because I'll get messed up. Um, but it's kind of a very like majestic English tune um, that, that they stuck with it. But Let's, let's uh, spend some time looking at the text and see. So let's start. Um, and if, if you have a hymnal and you want to observe to see just like, are, if there's some significant changes, one thing is that they, which many hymn cha- hymnal changes do, where they take out these and dies. The interesting thing with this is that this was written in 1966. You know, like, thee and thy was not in common vernacular in 1966. I'm pretty sure I wasn't born yet, but... Right? So, and the hymn writer was writing in English. It's not translated from German. They didn't translate it into thee and thy. The English speaker in 1966 wrote it with these words. Um, And so... It's interesting that they, that it, but it wasn't our hymnal that first did it. The, the translation that our hymnal has 
um, is very similar, at least, to like 1982 Missouri Synod Hymnal. They made those changes way back then, so it wasn't new to 1993. Um, but interestingly, Missouri Synod Hymnal today is back to this text. So they, their hymnals had made the changes and then switched them back, I think wisely. Um, I, I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant to tell a poet whether he, can, whether he needs to write in, you know, whether he needs to use pronouns that, that we use, <laughs> um, or he can write, if he wants to write thy, referring to the divine, I think let the poet do it, and we can, we can handle it. But, uh, okay. Why don't we sing stanza one first, just so that we... Before we... So there's, you know, they don't, it, it's places where there, it is a different phrase, um, but there's, there's not really a break in the, in the tune. Um, and so some places where you'd need to, in order to be able to take a breath, you'd need to cut short the, the note before. So like when you're singing, um, um, my rubbing finger never wrote that life should be a nameless moat a death. Where you just have to butt it in order for it to stay in the beat. Oh, the death were drift from futile births. And then he writes a, a, measure, a rest in where it wants a rest in a half note. Bum, 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 bum. Okay. All right. Oh, God, O oh Lord of heaven and earth. Nothing fancy there, um, referring to uh, God of heaven and earth. Um, Thy living finger never wrote that life should be an aimless moat. You might guess that we're going to need the dictionary in a little bit. Um, if you want to get started looking for M's. Um, thy living finger, what, would we, what might we be referring to? Thy living finger. So thy is referring to... God, that gives us a hint. Um, God's living finger never wrote that life should be an aimless mode. The Bible refer to God's finger? Do you have any recollection of something referring to God's finger? God has fingers. Commandments. commandments. What was written? Yeah, how did God write the commandments? In the, the finger of God uh, onto tablets of stone. That was... Um, Multiple in Exodus and in Deuteronomy again refers to the finger of God. The other place that this refers to the finger of God um, is in Egypt in the plagues, when the the, the magicians uh, are are 
they come in to do certain of the, the plagues. So, well, we can do that too. But then they get to a point where it says, nope, this is the finger of God. We're out. <laughs> um, and then, oh, finger of God. Then in Jesus' life, uh, Jesus' ministry, uh, where um, the, the, whoever was, was accusing Jesus of driving out demons by Beelzebub, um, and Jesus says, this is, that's ridiculous. If I drive out demons by Beelzebub, then Satan's you know, fighting against his own house. But if this is done by the finger of God, then, and so it describes Jesus' works being done by the finger of God. Okay, so uh, it, God, God, thy living finger, never wrote that life should be an aimless mode. So the God of heaven and earth didn't decree that life should be an aimless moat. I think we know what aimless is, but does anyone know what moat means before looking it up? Have you looked it up before? Or do you know that? Huh? It's a sp- is that right, Joe? Speck, like a speck of dust. Yeah. It's like, you just, that, is that one of the words that's just in your vocabulary? Or Good, good. <laughs> And so this, so not moat, moat like a moat around a, a castle would be M-O-A-T, right? I think so. Um, not this. There was one edition of this hymn somewhere, I don't remember where, um, where some like editor or something like that changed it to note. And I think they just thought that it was a mistake because <laughs> they didn't know the word and they... Doesn't make any sense, but if, they, if you don't know what moat means, that doesn't make sense to them either. <laughs> so, I suppose. Um, in a, so, what would that mean, be meaning then? So, thy living finger never wrote that life should be an aimless moat. Well, helpfully, it goes on because I think it's going to uh, help us out. A moat, a driftward, a deathward drift from feudal birth. So that life should not be, if life's not a deathward drift from feudal birth, we bo- we, we're born and we die. Um, how would that be an aimless moat? Your life is just a speck of dust that has no purpose. Um, although we have scripture that teaches us, you know, all men are like grass. And their glory is like the flowers, you know, that, that grow up in the morning and, and, and decay. All men is grass. Um, so there's something, there's obviously something temporary about our lives. Something that's not, um, but the living finger never wrote that life should be an aim. What is our life for? Is, our life, is that all there is to life? Is just poof and you're gone. So I don't think that's what the, that's what not what the scripture's saying when our life is like grass. Um, uh, not a deathward drift from people. But 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 really, you know, that that is what we observe, though. You know, the moment we're born, the moment that's the moment we begin to die. A deathward drift. Did you see the, the, the language that he picks though too? You know, for, for these things, you know, to to, to pick out words that are going to say briefly a deathward drift. Just, you know, drifting. You know, if you're on the, on the lake, you know, you just 
you don't, you're not trying to go there. It's just that's, that's the direction that it goes. You know? And deathward. What, it, what instead? Thy word meant life triumphant hurled in splendor through thy broken world. Thy word, the word that God writes to tell us what life is. Thy word meant life triumphant hurled in splendor through thy broken world. Life's, life's not just for dying. There's something triumphant. Um, even though the world is broken, we live in a world of sin, and we live in a world of death, and we will die. What, maybe, maybe, life has something, something more. Life triumphant, hurled in splendor through thy broken world. Since light awoke and life began, thou hast desired thy life for man. I know I, I know I mentioned uh, Narnia last last week again, but I, st- I still think that's it's it, it, Aslan's singing creation into into existence and to the, the beginning of light. That's uh, what God does. You know, in the beginning, um, God created the, the heavens and the earth, formless and empty. First thing that the Word speaks, let there be light. From the start, what is God's intent for mankind? From the moment that light, what does it say? Um, until light awoke. Because God woke it um, by saying, you know, just like he said, Lazarus come forth. You know, like he speaks life to dead people. Jesus speaks light into existence to wake it up. Uh, let there be light. And life began. Since then, thou hast desired thy life for man. Our lives are not to be just, it's not just dying. The only way that we're not, especially in this world of sin, now that sin has entered this world, the only way that it's not that is if, so it's not going to come from our life. Our life is going to be just towards death. But if he gives his life for man, that's, that's splendid. That's triumphant. Should we sing stanza two? Our fatal will to equal thee, our rebel will wrought death and might, we seized and used in prideful smite, thy wondrous gift of liberty. We housed us in this house of doom, where death had royal scope and room, until thy servant, Prince of Peace, preached all its walls for our Our fatal will to equal thee, our rebel will wrought death and night. So our, that would be mankind, our fatal will. Um, the, the, this thing that happened is fatal, brought death. Um, it was our will to do this, to do what? To equal thee. What is that referring to? Mankind's desire to 
be like God. Yeah? The, knowledge of, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we heard that on Sunday. Not to eat, why? They recognize it, you know, Eve's like, well, and the, you know, the desire for gaining wisdom, Satan says, so you will be, you will be like God. Yeah? Um, and think, oh, that's not so bad. God must be you know, holding out on us to not let us be like him. And, and so um, our fatal will to equally, our rebel will wrought death and night. That, that, that will to be like God was rebellious because God had specifically commanded, right? Wrought death and night. What kind of night? Death, we understand. Um, it wrought death. The, way, or, you know, the day you eat of it, you will surely die, although it didn't die immediately, physically, on the spot. But death comes. Night. I mean, so generally through the scripture, night. This darkness. Um, the deeds of darkness are the acts of wickedness. Uh, acts of rebellion against God. People, and all the way through, you know, every people do things in the dark that they want hidden. And so this brings it. Wrought death and night, we seized and used in prideful smite, spite thy wondrous gift of liberty. God gives us a freedom. Even if it's freedom, you know, in things, the freedom that we have as, as human beings is a freedom in things below us, the things we say subject to reason. So we do not have this. It, it, some of it we talk about we have free will of humans. Like, that's limited. And we, we know that because of the, all the things that we want to do that we can't do. You know? I want to be able to fly, but I can't. If I have free, totally free, I'm not free over things that are above me. And so one of those things that are above me generally for the spiritual things, I cannot, I, I don't have that. My will cannot uh, my will is free in things below me that I have the ability to choose things. I can sit in that chair or that chair. Um, I can do all kinds of things. <laughs> and what do we use it for? So, so Adam and Eve, is their, is their will free? It was free. They could eat. They could not eat. But it wasn't free in the sense that they were free to do whatever they wanted. Their will was bound. They went against the will of God. Um, and it wasn't simply a matter of, you know, will I love him or will I not? Um, especially then after the fall, then, then their will is... But before the fall, they did. And what did they do with it? We seized and used in prideful spite. Took a hold of what God had given them and blew it up. We seized and used in prideful spite thy wondrous gift of liberty. (laughs) So not free anymore. We housed us in this house of doom. Where death and royals had royal scope. So that should be had. Yeah, it's probably me. I, <laughs> yeah, if we, if we print this, I think I might, I, I'm leaning towards 
printing this on Sunday um, and using this translation. Well, I'll also yes, that's a, I'll be I'll be sending. There's another one. Um, yeah, there's a hyphen on stanza four that needs a but. Uh, where death had royal scope and room. We how, so what do you suppose this house of doom is? It's, it's where we live, isn't it? it? This is this world of sin. Um, where, where we no longer have the liberty that we used. So after the fall... Free will is bound for sinners. Our, our will, as far as serving God and loving him, our will is bound to that by nature. We're bound to sin. And that's what we mean by we talk about a sinful nature that's inclined towards evil. Um, it is the will of God that turns us in repentance and works in us when we, when we sin. Creating me a pure heart, O oh God so God would give us a new will. A will that's in line with his. In the, in the hymnal, I don't. Just, I don't know, maybe they were just trying to clear that up so that if they didn't know what houses have. <laughs> or, or, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Like, it's just a... I suppose that could have been. They could have thought, yeah, you've got two house, houses in one phrase and they didn't want to improve on the poet's skill. Well, well it's kind of interesting because he's, I think of so walling something in which you can add as more about prison. Which I, you know, makes sense if you're just kind of looking at the picture from above. But when we're doing it, I don't think we consider ourselves walling this in anymore. It is more like, yeah, I'm settling in and living here. So I, you know, there's a meaning, there's a shift in meaning there. Sure, sure. I think, yeah, now that I think about it, yeah. We, and, and it, it, it puts the emphasis on we did this. Yeah. Um, you know, we moved in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A house of doom, where death had, had royal scope and room. Um, you know, the death reigns. Royal scope would be the, 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 the scope which a king has, how far he, his rule extends. Um, and death has, has, reigns like a king in this. I mean, and that's the way, that's the world we live in. It looks like death wins every time. It looks like death death. You know, it's like the, um, yeah, that's, it's what drives things, you know. What is it, you know, we, we lived through that whole, like, COVID year or more, more or less. <laughs> um, what was behind that whole thing? It's the fear of death. All the stuff that we had to put up with was related to the fear of death. And some of it legit because pe- some people died, Right. <laughs> But the reason that we had everything else was because we don't want to die. 
and we don't want other, you know, like loved ones and all this to, to die. Like, it drives, and that's, that's what drives, I mean, it, a lot. Yeah? Death had royal scope and room. We put us there. Until thy servant, Prince of Peace, breached all its walls for our release. And I, I think there too, like the, the, the hymnal has broke down its walls. I like that. That's, that, that's kind of getting it. But I, breaching? Yeah. Breached walls, you think, uh, I mean, you're breaching a uh, defense. Yeah, you, you know, like your, your defenses have been breached. There's, there's, that's a, there's color to that word. I mean, you, to break it down, is the sent, you know, like that's the action that would breach the walls, right? But you think of, yeah, Jesus coming in and he, he gets this inroads. He got in. Um, but how he's going to do that is amazing. Because how does he do it? How does he breach these walls into this house of doom? How does he get into it? He's conceived in the womb of a virgin. Sneaky. You know? It's not like he broke down like he took a sledgehammer to the walls. He snuck into the womb of a virgin in order to get into this place so that he could come and he's, he's, you know, he's, because you can do that. You can breach a defense secretly. This is the best way, right? You infiltrate. And this is what the Prince of Peace does. Thy, thy servant, Prince of Peace, breached all its walls for our release. Uh, three, let's sing it. Thou cleanest to our hall of death, O Christ, to breathe a poison dare to drink for us the dark despair that strangled our reluctant breath. How beautiful the feet that draw The road that leads us back to God How beautiful the feet that ran To bring the great good news to man Thou camest to our hall of death You know and I'll grant that in the hymnal when we sing, oh, you came into our hall of death, that's saying the same thing, thou camest. So camest, um, in, in older English where they declined the verbs a little bit, you, thou, do, do, do comest. Uh, and it's the, same, it's the same ending that you would have in German, the ST um, on a second person there. Uh, Thou camest to our hall of death. O Christ, to breathe our poisoned air. Someone once, I don't know who it was. It was some hymn writer commenting about changing language in hymns. And he just said, like, when I pray, I don't pray you. I pray thou. Um, and it's not, it's not a, 
an automatic thing that, that you know, using thou instead of you is automatically has more reverence or something like that. But it was just that person's uh, observation that like a, a way of showing reverence. Thou camest to our hall of death. So again, the hall of death is our house of doom, our world, our sinful world. O Christ, you came, thou camest to our hall of death. O Christ, to breathe our poisoned air. To drink for us the dark despair that strangled our reluctant breath. Um, how's the air poisoned? Like, what would it mean if the air was poisoned? Would you, would you know it? Because of the poison. Yeah. Um, so if if you think about it, you know. So if you think of it, like the air that we that that is that we breathe is the sin is just part of our of our existence, right? It's not something that is off over here. And as long as I stay away from that over there, I'm clean. And you know, as long as I stay six feet away from the the deadly virus. I'm, I'm, I'm in the clear. It can't get to me. Um, it's, it's not that, you know, like you realize, it's everywhere. It's, it, this is, it's, so poisoned air, you, you can't, you know, you could you try to put on some kind of gas mask or something like that, but the air is poison. You, and if you're breathing it, you won't necessarily know it, depending on the poison, you know, how long it takes to kill you. Um, so we live in this world where just being part of the sinful world. We have our own sinful nature, and then we live, you know, I, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And they, if the people of unclean lips among whom I live affects me and my lips, because I, you've ever noticed that? You start talking like people that you work with or you spend time with. You, you work with people enough, like with someone who uses an accent, and you'll start talking like them. Or... If they use a particular um, type of language, certain colorful language, perhaps, you'll eventually you'll start it. Um, I remember that when I was working in high school, grocery store working. I was in high school, and most of the other guys that worked there were like college age. Um, not that that mattered necessarily, but it was just well, they were older, and so like you know, but filthy language a lot of times. And I just realized over time that. I knew better than to say those words. I was not raised to speak certain words. Um, but they heard them often enough that I could, in my head, I could imagine them responding to a situation with language. Like I could just hear it in my head. And so a circumstance that would happen to them in which they would respond in this way, the circumstance would happen to me. And in my head, I can hear the word. Like I could almost do it again that point in my life not bring myself in <laughs> you know like I could you know I wouldn't but you get affected by that even when you're not trying to people think like oh I'm, I'm I can hear that or I can see that and it doesn't affect me if the air is poison you can't like we think we can but it's, it's um 
breathe our poisoned air to drink for us. <laughs> to drink for us the dark despair that strangled our reluctant breath. So this sin and death, and that leads to despair, dark despair, which, again, referring, thinking about that beginning, that life being an aimless moat, that's just all, all it is, is just trying to avoid dying or trying to live it up as much as you can, and then you die. And then you try to just, you know, take all the right kind of medicine or do the right kind of exercises or get the right kind of surgeries or treatments or, or surgeries like, you know, you can get your plastic surgery so that you don't get wrinkles or whatever. You know, like you can do all the stuff so that you don't die. And that's like your whole, like, existence is to try to not die. <laughs> but that doesn't work. And then at the same time, you want it or not, believe in it or not, you still suffer with guilt. And that's another kind of thing um, that walls us in. Like, people can pretend like nothing bothers them, like sin doesn't affect them, you know? They can even, like, pretend like they're all excited about it and proud of it and parade it around only in order to avoid despair. Only if I can get enough people telling me, and uh, what's the word, Um, celebrating me and uh, affirming me. I need that. Otherwise, despair will destroy me and, and guilt and I can't handle that, and so I just, I need someone to tell me I'm okay. And they're not looking to Jesus for this. Strangled our reluctant breath. Like, I don't know, I wonder if, like, reluctant breath, like, even if you tried not to breathe, so you can't do that either. I just hold my breath. I'll live in this world, but I won't breathe the air. Well, that's not going to work either. Um, and so, what is, so in what way does Jesus do this? See, Jesus comes into the world of sin. He does not bear, our, bear sin. Uh, he doesn't have his own sin. But he breathes the air. So, you know, the, the part of his temptation, we think of Jesus' temptation being mainly the, being tempted in the wilderness, Maybe in the Garden of Gethsemane, but this is the this is the whole the whole life. The moment he screams, or no crying, he makes. That's right. No, the moment he does cry out, because he's a real baby, you know. So he comes out of the womb. What's the first thing he does as soon as his airways open? And there it is. Now he's in, and now he's with us. Um, I wouldn't say that you know, just breathing air is making him sinful. That, that, that uh, at the appropriation of the world's sin upon him comes, well, on the cross finally, but in, in other ways. But this is part of him, just living in this world and, and starting to bear the weight and the danger um, of of, of this, of, of our sinful world. He's, he's absorbing all of that. You think of that like a Jesus baptism. You know, he goes to be baptized, not because he has sin of his own. And John the Baptist recognizes, I should, I should be baptized by you, and you come to me. 
well, let's do this now to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus doesn't go into the water to get clean. He's like the, he's like the last of a, of a big family who's taking a bath on Saturday night in one bathtub with all the water. He's the last one in. <laughs> you know, so, so like the lamb, the lamb who goes, you know, not to become white. He goes in white to become, to absorb all of our sin. He does that in our, all the way through his life, I think we would say. How, do you notice, do you notice in each of the stanzas, each stanza kind of starts off down and then, and then it, it, it gets better. Like it, it, it's got the, the solution. So, you know, in the first one, since light awoke and life began, thou hast desired, um, in stanza two, until thy servant, Prince of Peace. So at the end, it's like, okay, it's bad, but here's this. Um, now here. Uh, how beautiful the feet that trod, the road that leads us back to God. How beautiful the feet that ran to bring the great good news to man. They had to kind of play with this in the hymnal translation. Um, they just weren't sure what to do with it. How beautiful the feet, or how beautiful the feet that trod the road that leads us back to God. Um, so this reflects Isaiah 52. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim um, peace. We read that at the ordination yesterday. Um, which, which are these feet that trod the road that leads us back to God? I don't have an insight into the, the, the intention of the poet here, but I mean... Like, I, I guess I'd wonder, is this, is this the preacher who brings the word, or is this, this still Jesus? How beautiful the feet that trod the road that leads us back to God. You know, if this is thinking of Jesus coming down to us, almost like the um, Jacob, when he has the, the dream um, of the, the ladder ascending with angels on it, ascending and descending, um, the, the, the way to God, our way to God, um, Jesus, or in John 3, no one, has, no one has gone into heaven except for the one who came down from heaven. So Jesus comes down so that we can go to God. He comes from God that we might go to him. Um, perhaps, how beautiful the feet that trod the road that... But it's not just Jesus, how beautiful the feet that ran to bring the great good news to man. Of course, Jesus is the one who brings that to us, Right? And even in the preacher, you know, so if you have someone who brings that good news, that bring, one who brings good tidings, that doesn't come from anyone but God, right? That is the word of God that comes to us, that, that is spoken by the preacher, the prophet, the, you know, the, the one who brings it. So the beautiful, the feet that ran to bring the great good news to man. I mean, that is ultimately Jesus who brings us the good news. He sometimes sends someone to speak for him. But it is his news. Stanza four. 
Christ once restore thy church that it might be again the bringer of good news to men. Breathe on thy cloven church once more that in these gray and latter days there may be those who Life is praise, each life a doxology to Father, Son, and unto Thee. All right, so now this, um, this is a doxological stanza. I don't know if we've talked about that here this summer, but a doxology stanza, song and praise to the Trinity. But it's unique, and I think that Franzman, was it about this hymn or not? Um, so didn't want to do it the way that they tend to kind of be sort of the same. You know, um, to, to God the Father, or, well, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him above you, heavenly. Um, like it's, it's kind of gets a typical sort of pattern. Praise to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Um, where this one starts addressed to the Spirit. O Spirit, um, who didst once restore thy church that it might be again the bringer of good news to men. I'm going to pause there, even though the sentence keeps on going. Um, who didst once restore thy church? What, what do you suppose um, that's referring to? When did, or how, when or how did the Spirit restore the church that it might be, again, the bringer of good news to men. I don't think that's the way we would, if it's what I'm thinking of, I think it's the way we would put it, but maybe you have a different idea. What, what is, how did the Spirit restore the church? What, what's the Holy Spirit's big day? Pentecost, Right? The coming of the Holy Spirit, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit, and there on the day of Pentecost. Um, but we, I don't know, unless someone else has another idea of what this might be referring to. Um, we don't normally think of the Pentecost as the Holy Spirit restoring the church. How might we say it? Gathering the church? Maybe even like creating the church? Like, the, we, that's. Um, Sometimes, like, it gets referred to as the Holy Spirit's birthday, or the church's birthday, the birthday of the Christian church. I have to tell it. Been in church. No, I just, like, you, you're probably thinking, I think you're going to. She can, like, know ahead of time when I'm going to tell the story. <laughs> um, a church on Pentecost, and the pastor in the, in the sermon from the pulpit made us sing happy birthday to the church. That was awkward. <laughs> like happy birthday! Oh, didn't he have a? He had like a cake or and a candle, I think, too, didn't he? I maybe maybe not. Maybe that I just dreamed up. But I, I want to say might have. Like we had to blow out the candle too. Um. Okay, but so that might be the way we would think of of Pentecost as the like the the birthday of the the creation of the Holy. Christian church, or at least the gathering of the church. What's that? Couldn't it be the Reformation? 
Like it was written from the 450th of the Reformation. So I was wondering. I know. Like that would make sense getting this pastor. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I, I, that, that's probably it. That, no. That's what I thought we were doing. And then you That makes I don't know why I didn't think of that. <laughs> Not in me. I just went <laughs> to the Bible. <laughs> no, um, no that, I think that, yeah, that probably is. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. I mean, yeah, that, that seems. Seems right. Um, but what I was gonna, what I was kind of guessing when I hadn't thinking, hadn't thought of that, was to think that. So did did the church begin on Pentecost? It didn't. Um, it, so at least you you could say that there was a a restoration of sense that it, you know that it might be again. But I no, I think you're right. I think that's what he has in mind. Yeah. No, I, 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 that makes that makes perfect sense. That I, well, I didn't think of that. 1966. He's for yeah. Well, I just I see spirit. I think I, that's where I went. Good. Thank you. Um, that oh that make that's even better. Um, oh spirit, who did once restore thy church that it might be? And so yeah, that 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 being the work of the spirit to bring yeah. So, with underlying that what had been lost prior to the Reformation, the gospel, right? The good news, free forgiveness of sins in Christ. Um, yeah, and, and then and then. So, what's he asking though? You did you did that? Thanks be to God. Breathe on thy cloven church once more. Um, do we? I know what cloven means, but do you want to look that one up, or do do we know so someone will rescue you? Cloven, a cloven hoof is a split hoof. Um, it's from the word cleave, like a cleaver. Separates um, is, is separation. So split. So a lot of times Lutherans get accused of splitting up the church, right? Because it's the Reformation that starts, and from the Reformation, then all these other, and they kind of lump the Lutherans in with all these sectarians that to split up the church. When we say, as Lutheran says, that's not really the way it happened. It, is, it did go crazy, although I think we could also say that it's not like everyone was united beforehand, even though, you know, even to this day. Um, to be under one pope does not mean that the Roman Catholic Church is united. Just the fact that they ha- are, are still under one head, technically. Um, there's a lot of different branches of, and in, in different stuff that goes on under the umbrella of Catholicism. All thing, kinds of things all into the same. Um, they just stay under one pope. Um, but the accusation is there, and the reality is that the church is cloven, and it's unfortunate. And so we're not going to celebrate that. We will acknowledge the necessity of split for the sake of doctrine, right? It needs to happen. Um, Franzman would have dealt with that. His, so he was on committees dealing with church unity in the Missouri Synod in the late 50s. 
Um, so been right in the middle of um, splits in churches, the old synodical conference. Um, when did they finally, was it 59, something like that, when that broke up, which was this joint work between Wisconsin Synod and Missouri Synod and, and others. Um, and lived through that. His brother, Werner, was in Wisconsin. So he, you know, Martin grew up in the Wisconsin Synod, Wisconsin Synod schools, but then went to, he started teaching at Concordia Seminary. Now he's on that side of the fence, and he's on that side of the fence in the 50s and into the 60s. He's, he's living with that. His brother, Werner, stayed in the Wisconsin Synod, so his brother's on both sides of this. Um, yeah. Um, so asking the spirit, but, you know, what's the solution to this? Is the solution to ignore doctrinal division and say, well, I'll, let's all just get along um, and ignore that? that? Again, that's the same thing that the Pope, that the Catholic Church does. They just ignore the differences and stay under the Pope. You know, um, that's what the ecumenical movement does. Just ignore the differences, and that's what the ELCA is, you know, or the other liberal bodies that just, we want to co-op, keep cooperating with people we don't, don't believe anything near what they believe, or maybe we just give up all our beliefs, and then we all don't believe anything. Um, so that we have a certain unity in that, um, or they do. Um, no, that's not the answer. O Spirit, who didst once restore the church, that it might be, again, the bringer of good news to men, Breathe on thy cloven church once more. Um, breathe. When you ask the spirit to breathe, you're asking the spirit to be the spirit. The word spirit means breath, air. Spiritus. Spiro means to breathe. Um, Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So how does the spirit breathe on his church? The breath of the spirit is the word of God. It's the word of Jesus. Breathe on thy cloven church once more that, that in these la- gray and latter days, do you think that's a good um, description or of these days that we live in? That in these gray and latter days, um, latter days, I think we always, we typically assume that we're in latter days of this world. I mean, Christians have forever. (laughs) I think since the apostles, we've always figured we were near the end. Um, But that's appropriate for us to view it that way because Jesus says, be ready. So we just assume that Jesus is going to tell the truth, and so that means he's coming. Um, Gray, for sure. I mean, I don't, I don't know that it's gotten any, any more colorful since 1966. That in these gray and latter days, there may be those whose life is praised. When, when Franzman wrote the hymn, this is one that even in older version, um, the, the word he used, that, that, that there, may, there may be men whose life is praised. Um, but most of editions of it, and they decided not to, when they did LSB, they tried not to switch it back to men because they weren't sure, but they thought perhaps since he taught at seminaries, 
that he might have had in mind that we would have men, pastors, preachers, um, that that might have been a, um, I'm not, but they couldn't conclude, they couldn't be sure based on anything. Um, they looked at other writings of Franzman to see if you could tell what he might have specifically meant. If he's talking generally or specifically about men, preachers. Um, I think that's interesting thought, though, in the context that in these gray and latter days, there may be men whose life is praise, each life a high doxology. Um, this is this line, this phrase is where uh, Harold Senkbeil, uh, who, who was, was a professor also at seminary at the Concordia Seminary in Fort Wayne, um, after he was done teaching at the seminary, began this program called Doxology uh, in order to train pastors, further tra- continuing education for pastors in the, in the art of pastoral care. And, um, and this, this stanza is kind of their theme, theme first. And this is where, so I think maybe in his mind, at least, this is a, the, 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 the prayer that we would have in these gray and latter days. There may be uh, pastors whose lives would be given to proclaiming to, to be the, the voice of the Spirit through the word that they preach. Each life a high doxology. Um, but I don't think it's a, that would be limited to that. Um, that our prayer would be that the Spirit's voice, Jesus' voice, would continue to be heard clearly um, and speak to what it to, to, to what it says, it would speak to our day, particularly to our, to our souls, to our, our guilty consciences, would speak to our hurting hearts, would speak life into, so that our lives would not be an aimless moat, just, just heading towards death, would, would speak life into our world. That each life, a high doxology, doxology is a song of praise, <clears throat> to Father, Son, and unto Thee. So at the, in the end, to Father, Son, and unto Thee, the, the Thee at the end is the Spirit, because it's addressed to the Spirit. So, and Father, Son, and unto Thee. Um, the, our hymnal changes that each life a high doxology unto the Holy Trinity. Which, I don't know, but it still rhymes, but it, it kind of misses the fact that it, like it's, it's addressed to the Spirit, and it makes sense then to, at the end of the Spirit, at the end of the prayer, if you address the Spirit, you don't, it's kind of like, we sometimes will do this, and people aren't, you know, doing, saying a prayer, we pray to Jesus, dear Jesus, and then we say, in Jesus' name, like, well, you'd say, in your name we pray. <laughs> like, if we were addressing Jesus, we'd forget who we addressed at the beginning of the prayer, and granted, the person's the Trinity, we it's one God, but still, like if we address the Father, then we typically, and generally, at least in church colleagues, we're going to address the Father through Jesus Christ. You, know, um, you with the, the Father, are, um, the Father and the Holy Spirit are one God now and forever, um, but through Jesus Christ, if we're addressing the Father, 
through the same Jesus Christ. So if we, if we, in the prayer, refer to Jesus, then you'll sometimes hear through the same Jesus Christ, through the Jesus Christ that we just prayed about. Um, yeah. Observations. We've got a little bit of time for... <laughs> I was going to say, like, uh, um, observations about the translation, but this is not a translation. No, this is a translation. It was always in English. Um, I'm inclined to have us sing the, the original with some edits. Um, and we have to reform it because this is from Hymn Festival. And I think we have probably shortened it up. The, well, maybe we'll have to look at that. Yeah. Um, but anyone want to argue for just sing? I, I, I did. I wrestled with it because, like. Which one? Oh, that thou hast desired thy life for man. Yeah, and who you made for us a holy plan. I think they were just trying to take all the men out, which I didn't, which that's annoying me all I know, but like, that was a big thing. But that, this, that actually changes the thing. Well, but it was, yeah, like they took this text from 82, so it was already done. Um, but that might have been what already then was they were probably trying to take um, Lutheran worship the Missouri and hymnal from me. I think that's where they got the translation. Like they didn't the, the our hymnal committee didn't make it up. They they pulled most of it. I didn't But totally. like that would have been the Yeah, it's probably a, a lot we of can't And the, the kind of an unfortunate thing for that is, is what it did is it, it ignored the fact that man in these cases is oftentimes generic, most of the time generic. The, the, the term man can be both, like anyone can be a man, only a woman can be a woman. Like, like the, 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 the term man is a generic, and it's, it's, it's the less interesting one. So like... <laughs> When you when you when you narrow it down like that, well, you know, men is man is is man and woman is woman. Then you, you took out the fact that like there was there was a uniqueness, a specialness to. Yeah, Santa. Jeremy makes it easier with two hands. Yeah, yeah, we had to make that a distinction when when in in different languages where you actually have a different. Um, when you mean everyone, you know, one, then you've got one word and another, you know. Um, and I think, like, Greek does that too. You know, in other languages, we just have a kind of deficient language. <laughs> no, no way. 
but we can figure it out, you know, and like, I don't think that people were like, oh, Gehenna's desired thy life for man, and the girls are like, oh, I wish he meant me too. <laughs> but I've heard people, I've heard, I think it was a seminary professor, like, like apologizing for like the translation of, um, uh, which verse was it? Um, God wants all men to be saved or something like that. I've heard that reasoning, but my question is, did women actually, because I've only heard that from men. Like, <laughs> like did the women actually read those things and think, oh, this can't apply to me because it's like, I mean. Yeah, I don't know. Right? And, and so like, in order to, if that was the objective, it's, that's why they made changes, when, whoever made the changes to, to a line like that, they said, well, we've got to figure out a way to, to eliminate the term man, the generic man. Which is, that, that's, that's the same kind of thing that happens in, like, the new, the NIV 11. I, it, new, it's getting older now, but... Um, where, in order to eliminate the gender thing, they had, to, they had to make it say something else that it didn't actually say. And that's really kind of, because then, you know, we, we sort of had an agenda, and... First question was, I don't know that you had to do that. But then, because you did that, now you made this other change that you've, whether it's minor or major, you changed the meaning. And I think you're right that that does. You know, thou hast desired thy life for man. That's what that whole first stanza is talking about. What is land's life? You've made a holy plan, great, but I don't, that's not, like, there's poetry. And, that, and part of it, like, I'm kind of a stickler, like, if someone's writing poetry, they're thinking about the words that they're using. Are we interested in what So, interesting, on the second stand, where it says, we cease and you... Stands a two. We seized and used in prideful, in fear and spite. That's what 93 has. That's so really? They changed it so that's kind of the opposite, isn't it? Yeah. Because air would be like before, right? Or or is it ever since like ever air? Air later will be like, like, like began I don't know what that means. Ever? Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Um, can you tell what key that that tune is in? I can't play if I go that far. 
And it, so it's a, it's a kind of a nice tune, but it totally has, if that's, that's a straight C major, then it sounds like. Um, bum, da, 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 da. It's, it's kind of, it's very melodic. Yeah, and it, it, it goes with some English hymn that's like really weird. It's like an English kind of almost like national anthem, unofficial national anthem, in which Jesus, someone had a vision of Jesus showing up on the shores of England. Um, I, I don't know what it's about. Like, He's waving the flag, Yeah, and... Uh, uh, Yeah, there's no like bum 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 bum. But I mean, they, they they did write a concertato on it with brass, like it. The, but it's it's more like majestic, kind of flowing. It just has a different feel to it. And and when you have a tune that was written for the text, like you know the the composer's looking at the words and writing the music for this text. Um, you know, where this other tune was written for. Is it tune commission? That's, poss- like, that's possible. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how, how tightly they were, but I know it was for the text, you know. So I, it was, but I don't know if that was part of the commission or not. Um, yeah, but the that that other tune was the the, and well, I don't know why why that text was associated with it, but it was it was. Um, it was written in conjunction with a, uh, like an auxiliary group in, well, I want to say World War I, kind of like a, as part of these meetings to kind of build support for the war effort. Um, and the, the writer, the Perry guy, the, writer, the guy who wrote the tune, he wasn't crazy about that hymn being used for those meetings because he wasn't super supportive of, the, I don't know, for, of using this hymn to kind of rile English support of, of, their, of their troops and, and so on. Um, but later on it was used by the, the women's suffrage meetings. And that he was excited about. He was very happy about that. And he said, uh, <laughs> this is the composer, he said, I would be very happy for it to be known as the women voters hymn. <laughs> I, I, I Kind of joked to some people, like that would have been ironic if they had, you know, the, because of what's called Jerusalem or something like that. Yeah. Like, if if it had, if that was the name in the in the Wells hymnal, you know, the name of the tune was "Women Voters Hymn." <laughs> <laughs> it might not have been as popular. <laughs> like, oops, <laughs> of any of a, you know, like, and it's it is one of those things, and one of the reasons I'm not crazy about like changing a tune like that. So this is a hymn that's in, you know, it's not just our hymn, you know. Uh, other Lutherans have this, and other Lutherans are singing this in churches across, maybe not the world, but in the United States. Um, and now our hymnal is going to have one tune, and everyone else is singing it with the one that was, it was for. Um, w- with the thought, though, I'm sure the thought was, no one's singing this 
they didn't think anyone was singing this, which is why we sang it at hymn festival. Which, you know, I don't know. Like, it is a hymn, and like I, I said from the start, it is a hymn that when you, you know, look it up and what people write about, this is a challenging one. Yes, it is. Well, if you never sing it. Like it's yeah, so, especially hard if you never sing it. Or if you, if you don't, like, prepare, um, you know, and it's, like, hand, you know, like, it's not done with some, some effort or whatever. Um, yeah, and it could, like, if people are off, you know, like, those, those phrases. If, if you, like, if you took a, a, a break between these phrases, it would not sing well because these, these phrases sort of continue through. And if you, you know, if you say, um, Thy living finger never wrote that life should be an aimless moat, a deathward drift. Like, it, it, it. I just think it's so interesting how the words match running out of breath, where you're running out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, although the last one marked, no one can run out of breath, but still, it's about breathing at that Yeah. Yeah. So, like, yeah, when, when you've got, when, when our, if our hymnal does something that no one else does, it just makes me, even though the church, you know, the division in the church, I think of like within Lutheran church bodies, it's, un, it's unfortunate. It's, it, hopefully it can be resolved in a godly way. I pray for that, and we should pray for that. But through the Spirit's work, you know, not by cheating. Um, but I don't think we would need to do things to make it worse. <laughs> you know, like if we have hymns that are ours as Lutherans, that we wouldn't need to needlessly have our version and their version. You know, if those who don't want to be Lutherans want to sing whatever they want to sing, go ahead. But... Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll sing this with people who want to sing Lutheran hymns. <laughs> yeah, so. Do I hear kids coming? What?